How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 100 of X-Lapsed. And uh, I swear this is like the 150th time I've recorded this intro because for the life of me, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> this is a milestone episode, of course. We're at episode 100. We're in the triple digits. But I don't know how to make this episode any different from any other. Um, I've been creating content on this here internet for a long, long time. Uh, well, relatively speaking, I guess, five years every single day I've been putting out content. And so I've had my share of milestones. I've had centennial offerings. I've had annual offerings. There have been celebratory episodes. And try as I might, I never feel like I hit the sweet spot on them. I never think that I ever make them any more special than I would any other episode, and I always assume that in the days leading up to a milestone such as this, that everything will fall into place, right? Everything will make sense, and I'll be able to, you know, weave straw into gold, <laughs> and uh, as soon as I hit publish on this thing, uh, you know, the, the dancing girls will start kicking in, and uh, the confetti will fall from the ceiling, the music will start, the sirens will go off, the clouds will part, the angels will sing, all that good stuff. But never quite like that, is it? It's uh, usually just me sitting by myself in a room, wondering what's next. And uh, I'm sure that's what's going to happen in uh, just a matter of minutes here, as I sit in my room, waiting to hit publish on this episode. I could tell an anecdote about my own life, um, which was the plan originally. I was going to talk about some of the stuff that brought us to where we are right now. And uh, I actually had not so much a script, but I had some bullet points of things that I wanted to make sure I mentioned. And it just doesn't feel right. I started recording it, and it just doesn't feel right for, for this episode. Um, it doesn't feel right for public consumption, actually, which, I mean, could be said for a lot of the things I do on the air, so who knows. But suffice it to say, I was going to spend more than, more than the necessary time talking about how a hundred episodes of a solo podcast, to me, is uh, kind of a big deal because of, uh, well, um some codependence issues that I've had over the past little while. You know, doing something by myself is a little bit of a feat. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's not really anything to be proud of, I guess. It's just me talking into a microphone. But at the same time, it's something I didn't think I would be able to do. And here we are, a hundred episodes in. And uh, really, I don't know, it makes me feel okay. It makes me feel pretty good here. So 
that's the broad strokes of the thing I was going to waste about a half hour to 45 minutes of your day with. We'll just leave it right there here, and we'll just say that uh, this is a show that was never supposed to happen. This 100th episode was certainly never supposed to happen, and yet it did. And uh, I want to thank everyone um, who's listened and who's shared and just who's been there throughout this process for helping to get me here. Um, Sometimes kicking and screaming, sometimes being dragged across the finish line. Uh, It really means the world to me that there are folks out there who look forward to this, maybe, or who just enjoy it. And uh, it kind of boggles the mind. So thank you all so, so much for helping to get me to 100 episodes, and um, I suppose I won't waste any more of your time here, and instead, we'll shift right into our wildly underwhelming issue of Wolverine. Wolverine, Volume 7, Number 5, had a November 2020 cover date. Stories called Blood Clocks. Written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Victor Bogdanovic. Colors Matthew Wilson, led his VCs Corey Petit, uh, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits, Robinson, Amaro, White, Basso, and Sabolski. Cover price $3.99 and went on sale September 2nd of 2020, which that's the day we released episode 2 of this very show where we looked at uh, Powers of X number 1. So we open this one up and we are uh, we're still in Canada. We're in a little cabin or a shack here. Our titular hero is uh, literally on ice. If you recall, he was dumped into a freezing lake by those Red Tavern goofballs last issue. Then, I suppose, he was held under the freezing water by Omega Red. So now he's kind of like a fly in a giant ice cube. He's just frozen in a block. We see that there are three others in this cabin. One is Dracula, and the other two... Well, your guess is as good as mine. I don't think they ever get named here. They are vampires. One of them's a bald female vampire with Hellraiser-looking spikes on her outfit... The other is an older-looking male vampire with glasses and a mustache. And uh, if you look at it real quick, the latter kind of looks like one of those caricatures of Archie Goodwin that you'd see sometimes in the the Marvel books in the mid-'80s, like probably around the epic comics run here. You'd see the little caricatures of him. Kind of looks like that. Now, here's a gimmick. They got Wolverine on ice, and they've literally tapped him. Like they drilled a hole into the ice through his neck, then shoved like a little metal straw in there to drain him of blood. Logan's blood fills these three shallow platters, and we find out that these platters are actually the titular blood clocks, which, due to Wolverine's special kind of blood, allow vampires to operate both in day and night. Confused? Yeah, me too. But uh, they take these platters, they screw them into like a chest plate, so it's bonded to their body in some way here. Dracula then takes his leave and... uh, he has to go back to running the Vampire Nation, I guess. He tells uh, Hellraiser and Archie that uh, they're going to have to take carry on with the work around here. Next up, an info page. It's Wolverine's blood group type, or blood group system. It's a very science-y page, which, you know, as fake-ass students of science, I'm sure we're all very, very impressed with this. Wolverine is apparently blood type E, which is the rarest blood type in the world, represented by one out of eight billion people. So yeah, fairly rare. Next up, Roll Call. Wolverine, Omega Red, who has a habit of not appearing in books that he's advertised in, and Dracula, who I don't think we'll be seeing again. Fair enough. Double page spread of creds, back to comics. And we join Hellraiser and Archie as they're driving a truck full of cargo across the U.S.-Canadian border back into the States. 
They're stopped, of course, and a border agent asks to take a peek into their rig. They claim to be hauling meat, and, well, technically, they are. The border guard is shocked to see that, duh, this is human meat. The baddies then take some big old bites out of the poor fella and add him to their pile. Back at the cabin, we've got a trio of kid vampires, or teenage vampires. Uh, They've shown up to swipe the Wolverine ice sculpture, and so they do. Unfortunately for them, no sooner do they get the thing loaded on a sled and start dragging it away on their snowmobiles, that Wolfie comes alive. He shatters from his frozen confines and tells the little vamps to... ride or die? Ride or die? I I mean, I suppose that looks like a cool phrase and and probably feels really cool to write and kind of sounds cool to say, but really? Ride or die? Okay. Next stop, Minneapolis, and we're back with Hellraiser and Archie. They empty the contents of their truck, and all that human meat is now vampirified, like they're actually up and walking around, and uh, they're hungry. Our duo of, uh, well, not the big beds, the bigger beds, because they are, they're middle management in the uh, vampire nation, I suppose, uh, leads them across the street to Percy's Hotel, just in case we forgot who wrote this thing, and don't worry, we didn't. Back in the Nup North, Wolverine is still riding and or dying. Well, actually, he's lunging at the kid vampires to figure out just what in the hell just happened. So I guess the ride or die comment probably didn't need to be made. Let's stop for a second. Ride or die is not a term I'm familiar with. I've heard of skate or die, but that's not from actually riding a skateboard. That's from a really bad Nintendo game. So let's figure this one out. Urban Dictionary claims that ride or die was originally a biker term, meaning meaning that if you couldn't ride, then you'd rather die. Okay, I can understand that. Not in the context of this story or the scene, but as a concept, I can understand it. It goes on to define the term as when you're willing to do anything for someone you love or someone you really appreciate in your life, the person who you stand by in any problem and vice versa. Okay, again, I get the concept, but certainly not in this context. Uh, PlainOldDictionary.com says that the term is used to signify undying loyalty to one's partner, a colloquial expression of extreme loyalty to someone or something. Okay, I I give up. I'm not going to make sense out of this term. Let's just get back to the story. Now, Wolverine has one of the little vamps pinned down and is about to plunge his claws through him. He and we learn that these kids were simply trying to rescue him. He ain't buying it, and he probably shouldn't. We learn that these three kids are reluctant vamps. They're undead and they need blood to survive, but they're just not very happy about it. Wolverine asks how they survived out in the wild and is shown a whole bunch of bleeded out animals, you know, wildlife hanging from trees and stuff. Wolverine tries to reconcile how long he was in the ice cube. After all, he does have a pal who was frozen in one for... Well, a very long time. A longer stint the further into the future we go, in fact. And it hasn't been quite that long, or really any long, actually. Wolverine thinks about Omega Red, who gets his sole appearance in this issue as a figment of Logan's imagination. That's definitely worth a spot in the roll call. He asks the kids if Omega Red was the one that brought him here. And here, by the way, is north of Thunder Bay, Ontario. The vamps say no. Wolverine was actually brought here by the voice in their heads a.k.a. Dracula. Next up, an info page, and it's a letter from Wolverine to Louise. Who's Louise? Well, of course you remember Louise. She's that vampire hunter we met in the second half of Wolverine number one. And our man needs her help. Back to comics. 
Wolverine and the Vamps, which sounds like an awful name for a band, but a likely name for a miniseries, chats about the current situation. They deduce that the next town that Hellraiser and Archie will hit is Black River Falls. That is because all the rest of the small towns within 100 miles are empty. So, next stop, Black River Falls, Ontario. Sure enough, that's exactly where our baddies are. So I guess they made another successful border crossing uh, in the interim. They stop at a gas station to fuel up, both their truck and themselves. They feed off a poor attendant. Then they see headlights on the horizon. From here, we get a full splash page of Wolverine and the Vamps riding toward their quarry on their snowmobiles with wooden stakes fashioned onto the front of their rides. Hellraiser and Archie just stand there. Wolverine goes into internal monologue mode, talking about how circumstances can either amplify good or bad qualities in already good or bad people. He talks about what happens when a good or bad person wins the lottery, for example, and also what good or bad mutants might do with the gift of eternal life, which, you know, is kind of the case with the resurrection protocols in place. From here, we get a few pages of Wolverine and the Vamps pretty much slaughtering the bad guys. Poor Archie is decapitated in Hellraiser after giving our hero a bit of sass about how the gift of Wolverine's blood gave them time gets sklished in the face. Wolverine walks away promising to exact revenge on Omega Red, and then we've got our Dawn of X coming soon page. But then, a post-credit sequence. What? Did we somehow wind up in an episode of X Lapsedonation? Well, no. But we do, in fact, get a single page, which bridges this story to the next. Wolverine is wandering through the woods, when suddenly he finds himself spirited away by a rainbow and a precious voice. It's written in, like, that Thor font, you know. And so, next stop, X of Tens. Next episode, we're going to be making a strange little pit stop. But let's talk about this issue here, which wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I mean, that's not fair, because it really wasn't bad at all. It was just kind of there. It does kind of make me wonder just how badly the COVID hiatus impacted these books, though, because if this story was originally supposed to end this way, like interrupted by the mass crossover event that we've been building to, that's eh, just poor planning, isn't it? I get the feeling that our post-credit sequence was added after the fact, though, I mean, I have absolutely no idea if that's actually the case. I gotta assume that this was supposed to tie up before moving into X of Tens, right? Uh, it almost, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But if I were a betting man, and it's a good thing I'm not, I would suggest that maybe this was a three-issue story that was going to get wrapped up, and then we jump into X of Tens after that. Trying to think of anything worth saying here about this issue, and I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um... Uh, you know, I, I literally just closed this issue, and outside of the ought and the ride-or-die comment, I really can't remember a whole lot of it. I'm sure as a chapter two of however many issues they'll drag this one out to, it'll be a fine beat. But as for a single issue, which doesn't look like it'll be paying off anytime soon, eh? I mean, if I'm remembering right. We've got two parts of Exit 10s to follow in this volume, and then we jump to the special Legacy 350 issue featuring Maverick after that. Though, I mean, Maverick's introduction was around the time of Omega Red's introduction originally, so maybe that'll tie in together and it'll we'll, we'll get back into the overarching Omega Red plot. Though I suppose we'll probably find that out in about two months or so. 
And it's uh, just a reminder that at this rate, we'll be celebrating X-Lapsed 200 before I'm caught up in current. Uh, I can only hope that we're there before Way of X and Children of the Atom launch, right? I mean, we're still getting Children of the Atom, aren't we? It's not like Marvel would allow that opportunity to bloat this line past them by. Right? So yeah, I'm just vamping at this point to keep myself from talking about vampires. There's a certain forced poignance to that. Feels right at home discussing a book like this. But uh, let's try to get back to it here. Um, I like the concept of the blood clocks. I thought that was kind of cool. Something that would allow Dracula and company to operate in daylight does add something to the threat. I'm not very knowledgeable on vampire lore, so I don't know if this is a completely novel idea, but it is to me. For all I know, it's as well you know, trodden a trope as you'd get in reading vampire fiction. Is this a Twilight thing? That was vampires, right? I don't know. Overall, this was an issue. One I expected to really dislike, but only wound up mildly bored by. Um, your mileage will likely vary, especially if you dig vampire stuff. Uh, the art... Pretty fantastic. Uh, Really, really suited the tone of this story. Can't get mad at this issue. It's just kind of, like I said, it's just kind of there. Maybe when read in, you know, in complete chunk, it'll be satisfying. But as a single on the eve of a uh, mass crossover event, maybe a little underwhelming. That's pretty much all I got to say about Wolverine number five. But now, let's dip into our milestone mailbag. I received a lot of nice comments on reaching 100 episodes, uh, mostly because I begged and pleaded for them. But they're here. They're here, and uh, it'll make this episode a little bit more special here. So we're going to start with Damien, who says, I'm really grateful for all your hard work on the podcast. Reading and or rereading along with you has added so much joy to the last four months. Well, thank you. Um, So many of your... uh, so much of your feedback has really given me a lot of joy over these past few months here. Um, when I started this, I didn't think anybody would uh, would care, and I didn't. I certainly didn't think anybody would follow along. And uh, as it became a daily sort of thing, which was kind of an accident in and of itself, I was certain that this was just going to be me and the crickets. You know, I didn't think anybody would want to follow along with this stuff. There are so many other. Uh, more connected uh, X-Men podcasts and uh, websites and blogs out there uh, that I never thought anybody would would you know stick with mine. So the fact that you have has just been it's been awesome. And thank you so so much. Damien continues. I've always loved the X-Men right from when I was getting Marvel UK reprints of the 60s stuff in 1982. And as an eight-year-old, but this podcast really has given me an outlet to celebrate that love. It's been a particular delight to hear how you and other listeners react to my feedback. You really have created a community, and I will be exceptionally sad when it's all over. Internet rumors suggest that X of Tens ends the first third of Hickman's planned run, so I think we can safely predict that one day there will be an episode 400 of X-Labs, and I will still be reading along. Until Hickman becomes funny, make mine X-Labs. Well, that's a long time from now. Both, you know... 400 episodes and Hickman becoming funny. So I think we're stuck together for quite some time, and and I couldn't be happier. (laughs) So thank you. Uh, Thank you so, so much. Um, The idea that this is a a little community is uh, is very, very cool and is honestly the main reason why I'm still doing this. Um, It's... 
it's sometimes a trial to do this, especially with the the frequency of the program. But knowing that there are people out there that appreciate it and that uh, maybe look forward to it, uh, that that really makes it that much easier to do. Um, it really facilitates the uh, the endeavor, right? But thank you so so much, Damien. It, it is always appreciated. Uh, next. Jesse DeJong says, Good afternoon and congrats on 100 episodes of X-Lapsed. I've been saving my experiences on Hox Pox Docs for this moment in particular and my gratitude for saving an X-Fan. The run of Uncanny X-Men that happened right before this rebranding felt like the the final days of the X-Men. Most of the characters were shunted over to the age of X-Men, and the handful that were left were being picked off one by one. It's one of the darkest times I've ever seen in the X-Books. Then, Age of X-Men ended and everyone returned. Then, out of nowhere came Hoxpox, and I mean nowhere. This line has absolutely nothing to do with what was happening in any book at the time. It was a clean cut and restart. I was enjoying what was happening in Hoxpox, but I wondered the entire time, are these our X-Men? Yes, yes, um, you answered some of my questions there, because I've asked a a time or two how the shift happened, because I wasn't... I wasn't reading the last volume. I, th- I have it, but uh, <laughs> to be honest, I figured that we'd be all caught up with the uh, the the Hoxpox Docs books by now. I really thought we were going to be caught up by the end of last year, and I figured, okay, well, what what'll we do next? Maybe we'll do you know, Uncanny X lapsed, and we'll cover the Rosenberg run. You know, I figured that that was going to be the next thing, and I figured we'd be there by now. And uh, no. <laughs> We're not. We're not even close to it. Um, so I didn't know how the transition went, or if there was a hint, or if like there was like a like if the last volume ended with like a Cohen seed growing, or if it was just the bog standard. Hey, we got to wrap up an X Men volume. Let's do the whole. They they live to fight another day, or they'll the X Men will always be here. Some well trodden, you know, trope like that. But finding out that it is a clean break, it's very, very strange here. Very, very strange. And I've heard good things, I've heard bad things, I've heard the the last volume of Uncanny, that Rosenberg run, seems to be kind of divisive uh, among the folks that I've talked to. I've talked to folks who've really, really enjoyed it, and I talked to folks who it was their breaking point. For me personally, I missed it in its entirety. Uh, I did get the first issue. And I can't remember if I paid for it or not, but I know I got it in the mail. I don't know if this was one of those that DCBS just sent me or if I was just curious and I ordered it. And I remember just thinking it, you know, I, my time was done. It just it passed me by. Uh, you mentioned Age of X-Men, which was something that intrigued me because, and I think I've said this before, I thought Age of X-Men was the bridge. You know, I thought it was the Rosenberg Uncanny then it was that wrapped up, went right into Age of X-Men, and then the fallout of Age of X-Men was Hoxpox. I had my timing off, of course, because Age of X-Men, I think, spins out of, like, issue 10 of Uncanny. And if I'm remembering right, that volume went a lofty 22 issues or something like that. But uh, Age of X-Men is interesting. It's probably not the greatest thing in the world from what little I read of it, but... Uh, I do have some episodes of Age of X Lapsed already recorded and waiting for the right time to be sprung upon the world. So look forward to that if, uh, if in fact, you would look forward to that. 
Uh, Jesse continues. As I read it, I was completely unclear as to if these were the characters we have been reading for 25 years. In my case, I didn't know if this was our timeline or how this affected the whole Marvel Universe as a whole. If you miss reading a line or two, you are lost and confused, as was my case. For the first time since 1994, I was contemplating dropping the X-Men. I've never left the line, but I had no idea what was going on or who these mutants actually were. Then, X-Lapsed came along and helped to clarify things. I had two issues that prevented me from understanding this new direction. One, what life of Mora we're in, and has this current Marvel Universe always been in that life, or has the past 80 years of the MU been a different life? And two, the meeting with Sinister and Hawks, and the parts that he played in the building of this new nation. You helped clear that up for me. I missed or didn't comprehend one line in House of X involving Sinister, and didn't pay close enough attention to Mora's lifeline graphic. I'm not sure if this is poor writing, or if someone just needs to take a step back so that the fans understood what was happening in their thought-provoking and groundbreaking book, or if it was just me. I eliminated the just me option since others on social media were also just as confused as I was. I didn't know anyone personally who read the X-Men comics, so I had no one in my life to ask. And again, social media was just as confused, so no one there could answer my questions. I was questioning if it was worth collecting books that took a lifetime of reading and threw it out the window. There are times like with Marauders number 11 where I still question my decision to stay on. I ask myself if these are still the books that I enjoyed reading for decades. And yes, um, if you did listen to those first 12 issues of this show, you'll know that I was just as confused. And I, I was stuck on the concept that that there was a, like we talked about a, a clean cut between Uncanny and Hoxpox. I was expecting there to be some sort of, a more of a seismic shift than just the, everything you've been reading is what it is, plus more as a mutant. Which was kind of our takeaway. And of course we have the resurrection protocols, but as far as canon and continuity is concerned, that was our big change. You know, Mora is in the background of, of everything. And I wondered, just like you did, where are we? You know, what life are we in? What, how much of what we read, you know, for the past 25, 30 years is still in play? And I think I got a little too stuck on that. And uh, listeners of the show and commenters to the show early on will probably attest to that, that I was just like, I wouldn't let it go. I wouldn't let go of the concept that we lost something. When, in fact, we... It doesn't look like we did, but I wouldn't allow myself to see that. I think it had been built up so much to me, uh, because I, I did read these like a year after they came out. It was built up as being more than what it actually was, at least the way I set it up in my own head, which I tend to do. So I didn't know what was what. Um, did did our best to navigate, and I'm so happy that it... Uh, it proved to be helpful because that's kind of the point of the show here because I'm learning so much from everyone else as well. I don't go to news sites. I don't read reviews. So all the all the first, second, and third-hand information and the, the hot takes that I get are, are from the folks listening here. And uh, it's, you know, back to Damien's comment on community. We're just we're just talking these things. We're talking them out and we're, we're playing with our pet theories and just having a really good time you know, bolstering each other up through this, the good and the bad and uh, the indifferent. Now, uh, Jesse continues. 
In Wave 1, I only looked forward to New Mutants, and that was a 50-50 toss-up if I would enjoy a space story or slog my way through a farm story. Yeah. Wave 2 came along and I loved Cable, Hellions, and I even still love X-Factor, even on Mojo World. Am I staying because of a collecting sickness I have to be a completionist? Most likely. As a side note, I'm really going to miss Reggie's podcasting on collecting. It was an amazing series that I felt I, that I really felt akin to. There's one thing that I tell myself that keeps me around. The X-Men have always been known as the children of the Atom. I tell myself that now they've grown up into being adolescents of the Atom. I think back to junior high and high school. It was cool to talk big and dirty, that getting drunk was cool, that you didn't have to commit to sleep with someone, and that you could party all day and all night with no consequences. The last thing most teens think of is death, and now we live in a time where the X-Men don't worry about death either. These are the X-Men in their teen years of learning who and what mutants are. I really hope that they grow into responsible adults soon so they stop looking like bad guys compared to the Fantastic Four, X-Men, and uh, um, I guess we'll go with the Champions as a third. Funny, because the Champions are teens and are more responsible than grown adults in the X-Men. That's a really cool way of putting it, not something that I... uh, not something that came to mind for me. You're right, though. It feels very much like these uh, the X-Men now are mentally or maturely uh, pre-teens, teens, right? It's, it's all about dancing, banging, and drinking. That's basically it. I don't know if that says more about our creative team or who they think their audience is, because I'm pretty sure that's not their audience. Uh, I think it's... It's folks like us who are, uh, like you said, we've got the sickness, so we're, we're not going anywhere. But that's a really, really cool analogy there. Uh, Jesse wraps up with, I really do appreciate what you've done for myself and those who listen. And a huge thanks to your wife, who I'm sure has sacrificed for this podcast as well. Thanks, Chris. And again, congrats on 100 episodes. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. And yes, the wife has been very, very patient with this project. But sometimes the questions do come, though, and it's the questions that uh, content creators fear. You know, it's the one that's like, hey, just how much time do you spend on that? Because then not only do you have to actually crunch the numbers and try to figure it out yourself, which is daunting and potentially embarrassing, (laughs) but you also have to share that number with someone who might think you could be using your time a little bit more productively but for now we're good but uh, thanks again for uh for sharing your thoughts there jesse uh next up we've got jason colby who says hey chris congrats on sticking with it through the good the bad and the just plain boring and reaching all the way to episode number 100 you've been a companion to me through some pretty interesting times these past months and i really appreciate it I've listened to you while folding laundry, while doing dishes, while walking through my neighborhood, and while scraping up parrot poop with a helpful parrot on my shoulder, voicing criticism and pulling on my Bluetooth earbud wires. It's shared experiences like this that build strong relationships. <laughs> I, I love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing that, uh, that I'm keeping you company when you're going about your day. That's uh, it's one of those weird uh, reality checks, you know, like... It's real life that my voice is in someone's head while they're just doing stuff throughout the day. It's it's very humbling and, 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 and really means a lot to me. Jason continues, As you know, I'm not a lifelong X-Fan, so it's been great to have a board-certified fake-ass comics historian making connections and filling in the gaps that I didn't even know I was missing. I've learned to appreciate issues and arcs that didn't mean much to me my first time through because I didn't have the background. 
It's also been fun reading new issues and thinking to myself about how, what you'll have to say about them when you get there. No spoilers for me, but you've got some amazing stuff headed your way, and also some absolute flaming humdinger stingaroos, and I'm kind of looking forward to your reactions on both extremes. That's <laughs> too funny. Um, I, I love the fact that you are new to the X-Men, relatively speaking, and uh, that you're still able to enjoy some of these very convoluted stories here. You're also kind of a like a check and balance for me, where I try to figure out if I'm too deep into the minutia and uh, the canon and just... You all know me by now. I get stuck on stuff. I really get stuck on stuff like, you know, continuity, tidbits, and... It's, it's not, it doesn't do me any good. So uh, often I'll think like, you know, what would Jason say in this situation here? Because he's not bogged down with the same continuity baggage that I am. And he might just be able to enjoy something for what it is right here and now, right? And that that's a really cool part about having folks of differing um, X-Men experience levels involved in this project and in this community. Uh, Jason wraps up with, here's to your first hundred episodes, your next hundred, and the hundred after that. So until Mora trips over one of Call Me Kate's discarded whiskey bottles and reboots the whole damn universe, make my next lapsed. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much for writing in there. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like we, we might be in for a few hundred more of these things, huh? Well, one day at a time, right? Just like uh, what Call Me Kate should be saying. One day at a time. One day at a time. <laughs> Next up, uh, Pat Sampson says, Hi, Chris. Congratulations on reaching the 100th episode of X-Lapsed. I've been listening since the start. When an episode comes out, it's moved to the top of my podcast to listen to list. I've been listening along to help get myself caught up as well on the current X-Men happenings. Once you reach X of Swords, I will begin to read along as well and hope to add to the comments. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much, Pat. That really means a lot to me. Um, it's always cool to hear that someone's listening along and, and not actually reading the books, just using this to keep abreast of what's going on. And the fact that you're going to be uh, joining us with Sword of X, that's really cool. I can't wait to hear your thoughts as you read along with us. I think that's going to be a really good time. But thank you so much for the kind words. Next, Jeremiah says, X-Lapsed has reminded me of how much fun the Summer of Hoxpox was. It was also so much fun that I got into the X-Series books and I'm now reading along, slowly but surely, with the podcast. I love the mailbag and it's fun to be part of the X-Conversation. Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah. It really means a lot that you're following along. And uh, like I've said many times, the mailbag is some of the best part of the show for me. It's uh, so much fun to, to exchange ideas and share some thoughts and posit some theories and all that good stuff. But thank you so, so much. Next up, Evan Bevins. He says, Thanks for creating not only a show that's fun to listen to, but a community to multiply the enjoyment of following along with the new era of X. With technology and comics being more available through libraries, I might have been able to follow along with a lot of this new run, but I'm not sure how motivated I would have been after the initial trades. The show and community make the good and controversial stuff even better, and the, well, less appealing stuff fun as well. Good stories are good stories, whether reading them in a vacuum or with a crowd, but batting ideas back and forth adds terrific dimension. So, until Beef dies again to save everyone in Secret Crisis of Infinite X-Swords, make mine X-lapsed. Well, thank you so much, Evan, and I agree. I agree, and uh, as if I haven't said it enough, uh, being able to 
chat about all the happenings and, and posit ideas and theories. That makes it so much fun, so much more fun. I was going to say funner, but I don't think that's a word. Not that that stopped me before, but uh, thank you so much. Next, uh, Jody Yerden says, Chris, congratulations on 100 episodes of X Lapsed. This program, along with From Claremont to Claremont, has helped to rekindle my X fandom after a very lengthy layoff. There have been books I definitely could have given up on early if not for the show, like New Mutants, books I would have given up on, Excalibur, and books I should have given up on, X-Factor. What a disappointment. It's been a blast knowing that there's a brand new episode waiting for me on my podcast app every day, and it's given me great incentive to keep up on my reading. My only disappointment is that even with DCBS, you've not gotten your money's worth on too many issues. This has been a great experiment that I can tell has rejuvenated you as well, and I hope the momentum continues for hundreds of episodes to come. Well, thank you, Jody. And yes, uh, X-Lapse has really reinvigorated my passion for just creating content in general. Um, it's not uh, its not always the easiest thing to do. It's not almost always the most fun thing to do. But uh, sometimes when inspiration strikes, you just have to go with it. That's... That's kind of like the accidental way that pretty much everything I do has become so rigid on a schedule. It's It takes a lot to get me motivated. And um, folks who are unfortunate enough to be like in my inner circle, <laughs> they know how many ideas that I have and how many just can't-miss prospects that I have for, for show ideas and for article ideas. And just there's always something percolating, but the momentum and the inspiration isn't always there you know something could sound like a really good idea but then you have to actually follow through with it which is why i tend to keep those comments close to you know close to vest right or close to however you say that word where it's just a few people know it i don't make the grand announcements about that kind of stuff because i find that too many people do a lot of people will say hey here comes my new podcast and then three years later that's their only tweet so I keep things kind of within my inner circle, but I'm sure I annoy everybody in that circle with all the ideas I have that I don't follow up on. So when I started, you know, Chris's on Infinite Earths five years ago, I was just bursting with inspiration because that's the only way I can get started. I was bursting with inspiration and I wanted to write all the time. And it was actually the daily blogging was actually me paring down because I wanted to just write like three or four posts a day. And then I told myself, hey, don't do that. And I settled. I compromised with myself by going once daily. And then when you get 15 days into that, it's like, hey, I wonder if I could do a month. Then you do a month. And it's like, I wonder if I could do two months. And then, ah, six months. Oh, maybe I could do a year. And here we are five years later. Same thing with uh, X-Lapsed. I was just bursting with inspiration. I, the idea hit. I read the first issues of, of Hawksbox. and was just like, I, I got to do this. I got to do this every day. And so I did it every day. And when we did episode 13, which was X-Men volume 5, number 1, that was a huge surprise to me. Because I thought I was just doing the 12 issues and you know hit it and get it and move on to the next thing. But inspiration struck and... I, I know from doing this as long as I've been doing this that you, you can't you can't ignore it when inspiration strikes. You have to take full advantage of it because it doesn't strike often enough. But thanks again, Jody. Uh, next up, we've got our friend Walt Neeland here. That's where we'll wrap up today. 
He says, congrats on hitting 100 episodes. Your initial Hox Pox episodes were a pleasant surprise and awesome in and of themselves, and it's been very cool seeing your ongoing coverage of the entirety of Dawn of X, as well as tie-ins and such. I love the coverage of Hox Pox that kicked it all off, and I'd lapsed on acquiring the Dawn of X anthology volumes, but I've caught up and I'm keeping up with at least owning the things. As you've done with your blog and your years of daily comics coverage, your hitting 100 episodes of X-Lapse is as much, if not more, impressive. I feel bad being so far behind, initially planning to catch up to have read the issues myself before listening to X-Lapse, and then finding myself extremely far behind. Having just binge-read 12 Amazing Spider-Man issues, the recent Last Remains arc, along with some other comics I read recently, I feel like maybe I'm on a better path in 2021 for getting caught up on reading, and I suspect the X-Lapsed catch-up will be a good companion to Animal Crossing and Super Smash Bros. in coming weeks for listening. You and your shows and blog are truly a gold standard, and my own being current or not, it's always been a pleasure and encouragement seeing all you put out. Well, thank you so much, Walt, and, uh, Never feel bad about being behind. This is, I mean, it must be just as a, just as much a chore to listen to as it is to create. Some days, it's it's a lot of content. It's a lot of a lot of my voice in people's heads. It's a, it's a lot. Um, it's one of the things that it's kind of the double edged sword of it because you know, like I said earlier, you go with the inspiration. You know, you do what the inspiration tells you to do, but at the same time. You can't have the expectation that everyone is going to be quite as inspired as you, or as me, as I should say. And so listening to a daily show is kind of a big ask from me to, you know, potential listeners. So I totally understand people being behind or people just following along, popping in when, you know, an issue, when they see I'm talking about an issue that they are uh, interested in or just an issue maybe they missed that's trying to catch up on. Any, any any which way you want to listen is fine by me, but uh, thank you so, so much for the kind words. It really, really means a lot, and it really helps It really helps that inspiration keep going. You know, it helps to bolster that inspiration and keeps a serial procrastinator uh, moving forward. So thank you so, so much. But that is where we'll leave it for today. Um, if I keep getting comments on episode 100 over the next few uh, days, I will include them in subsequent episodes. And if anybody would like to share some thoughts, I'm a fairly easy guy to find. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, and you can hit me up on email at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfinitearts.com. There's also xlapsed.chrisisoninfinitearts.com. You can talk to us about whatever you want over on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. And you can hear the entirety of the Chris and Reggie audio archives over at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. That's where we'll leave it for today. One tremendous, massive thank you to everyone for uh, keeping me company over the past 100 episodes and deciding to share your time with a marble-mouthed idiot. So thank you all so, so much. You've really made... uh, a particularly difficult time of year for me, uh, a little bit easier to get through. I, I really, really mean that. Thank you all so, so much. And until next time, as always, I will talk to you all again real soon. See ya.
Gonna do 